What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with another episode of Dynasty Decisions, episode 46 of Dynasty Decisions. If you guys are new around here, this is where we take your uh, listener questions. We go over your teams. We go over whether you're contending, whether you're rebuilding, directions to go in the future, some of your trades that you've made, what to do with your rookie picks, all that stuff is covered in today's video. We cover everything and anything, basically, Dynasty Fantasy Football in these videos. A lot of you guys really enjoy these, so we're happy to do them. If you guys want to be a part of future episodes, um, the way to skip the line, skip the queue, is to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. Those guys get first priority, first dibs on Dynasty Decisions questions. And then if you want to just reach out to us on Twitter or Discord, we'll add you to the queue and get you on when we can. But uh, with that being said, Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well, and just want to quickly preface with happy Memorial Day to our American friends out there. Want to give you guys a little piece of content, you know, a little Dynasty Decisions action for the time you're going to be spending with your family, the time you're going to be spending off work. You have a little video, something to play while, you know, you're cooking your barbecue, you're sending your fireworks, whatever you're doing over there in the States, having a good time. Yeah, for sure. We had Victoria Day last weekend, which is why yep. like content was a little sparse. So um, we're excited to get back into it. It's not a holiday for us. So we're, you know, back on the grind or whatever. So if you guys enjoy this video at any point, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below and subscribe to the channel if you are new as well, closing in on about 11,000 subscribers. But let's hit the intro. All right, so we're going to start off with the first team of the video, the first patron question. That's going to be from AJ Nardi. So he basically, you know, shared some trades here and basically wanted a, a next step towards what he can do with his team. So on the screen right now, you should be able to see his current quarterback core of Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, and Kirk Cousins heading that group. Running backs, you have Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, etc. There. Wide receivers absolutely loaded to the brim with AJ Brown, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, David Bell and the others there, which I'm classifying as others, but realistically are very significant contributors at that depth pool. And that tight end, you have Noah Fant, Trey McBride heading that group, along with what appears to be all of your picks in 2023, apart from your two and your four. You're, you don't have a pick in 2024, but then you have all your picks yet again in 2025. So uh, AJ has a couple of trades listed here, wanted us to go through them and potentially where to go next. Corey, I'm looking at this team. We can get into the trades after. What are your thoughts? Um, it looks pretty well constructed. You got probably a bit of a win now window given what your quarterback situation is looking like, but you are kind of repping like a hero RB with Cam Akers as your main running back there and Elijah Mitchell. So um, the wide receiver core, if you wanted to compete with this team, I might see if I can acquire a better third running back. If you can go and acquire James Conner, Leonard Fournette type, then you'd probably be a little bit on better you know, track to, to compete with this team, but pretty well-built roster overall. We can go to the trades here. We got uh, Mac Jones uh, slash J.K. Dobbins for the 104 and 105. So it, it looks like he sold Mac Jones and J.K. Dobbins for two top five picks in this year's rookie class, which ended up becoming Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson. I like J.K. Dobbins, but I would probably equate his value pretty similar to the 104. That'd be about what I would value him at. Um, so give me, uh, give me Traylon Burks there over J.K. Dobbins or, or Garrett Wilson is actually currently my 103. So he would be uh, the guy that I would have gone with. But you got Garrett Wilson at 105, who I think is much more valuable than Mac Jones. So uh, definitely a good first trade there. Get younger at the wide receiver position. Offload, you know, a young quarterback who, I mean, you probably could have used in the long term because you have Tom Brady. But uh, I, I still think you got some great value there and, and fill out the wide receiver core with even more young guys there. Yeah, absolutely love this deal. Uh, you have three startable quarterbacks for this year you offload mac jones who his appeal is more so the longevity the standing in the nfl as opposed to realistically his point potential so you're able to translate that given your quarterback core and get two young up-and-coming talented rookie wide receivers with Traylon brooks and garrett wilson i really like what you're able to do there from a value standpoint we move on to the next deal and uh, mvs into a 2023 second that he projects to be early i mean the 401 just cherry on top uh cherry on top and you were able to get Tyrion davis price who has some upside as well i love this deal like this is taking advantage of the landing spot taking advantage of the follow the money truthers people are going to see you know maybe thir three for 30 million or whatever the hell mvs signed and think oh this is patrick mahomes number one target this is how you manipulate your league this is how you create value pockets for yourself excellent work there 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why, you know, we haven't been draft like has has Patrick Mahomes' number two receiver outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey been very valuable for fantasy? Nope. Like, remember when Sammy Watkins was supposed to be great for fantasy? Remember when McCole Hardman was supposed to be great for fantasy? When you take, you know, Matt Talents and put them in the Patrick Mahomes led offense, are they gonna have big weeks? You know, every once in a while for sure. But like that, that's a best ball type of pick for me. I'm not uh, you know, investing an early second rounder into a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scanling. And, and Tyrion Davis-Price, who probably should have been off the board in the third round, is a great value there yeah. in the fourth round. So um, the next trade here, traded Devontae Smith, Pat Fryermuth, and a 2024 first for A.J. Brown, the 210, 302, and a 2024 third. So I would say, um, at face value, I'd say all those picks are about equivalent to Pat Fryermuth, even though, they, I mean, they're not like, you know, great picks or anything like that. Just say for simplicity's sake, would you take Devontae Smith in a 2024 first over A.J. Brown? It's probably about equivalent value, I'd say. About give or yeah, take. Th- this is this is a close one. I I would I tend to lean with the package a little bit. The stud factor is on the side that you got with AJ Brown, but uh that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty package. Given that you're competing, though, I mean I don't mind giving up your 2024 first, acquire a stud like AJ Brown. Uh Pat Fryermuth probably would have been your best tight end, but you still have Noah Fant, Trey McBride, guys that uh, uh are pretty solid there. So um kind of like a neutral deal for me. I, I think you you didn't win this one, but you didn't lose it. For sure. And then, I mean, the final deal, this is an absolute home run. Ryan Tannehill, I really like. I think he's an undervalued player uh, in Superflex. He's one of those cheapish quarterback threes that you can get later on in your drafts. Adam Thielen, I think from a win-now potential standpoint, from a redraft standpoint, should be in store for a very nice bounce-back year under Kevin O'Connell. And the 2023 second, while valuable, the fact that you're able to convey that into a 2023 first, which you projected here as top three, Basically, from a market standpoint, guaranteeing you into a picking position of Bijan Robinson or one of the two quarterbacks, as well as, you know, cherry on top 2023 third, sign me up uh, all day, every day. Give me the pick, give me the liquidity. And if you need to in season, if that owner is, you know, completely looking bad and maybe, you know, another owner who has, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, maybe, maybe they're struggling out of the gate. You have a huge amount of leverage to be able to acquire a player midseason, maybe at running back specifically with your build to make a push. If your team say starts off five and two, you just need one other running back to be able to push you over the top. You have a lot more flexibility because I'll tell you right now, you can't make that move with Ryan Tannehill or Adam Thielen. No, for sure. You, when you look at startup value, I mean that, that t- 2023 first right up right now, before we even know for sure who those players are going top to two be, round I mean, pick. we have an idea. It's, it's a top three round pick, right? And, Adam Thielen, what is ninth, 10th, 11th round pick? Maybe. Ryan Tannehill, 7th, 8th, even for the people that are really high on him. And then a 2023 20, second, again, probably like a 7th, 8th, ninth round type of value. If you tried to trade your 7th, 8th, and ninth round pick for a 3rd round pick, you would get laughed off the thing. And you're also getting a 3rd on top of it. So, yeah, great moves there. Uh, overall, looking at this team, I, I think you're well set up to be able to compete this year. Uh, like Danny said, maybe midseason if you want to evaluate, see if you need another running back or – you know, maybe a tight end upgrade or something like that. You could, uh, you know, maneuver some of your picks, some of your wide receivers too. Cause you, I mean, you go, you know, seven deep at wide receiver of, of guys that I really, really like both in the short term and in the long term. So if you wanted to, you know, mid season, Chris Olave is having a breakout rookie season or something like that. And you can flip him into like a running back of equivalent value at that point in time. Cause if Chris Olave comes out and he's like the number one receiver for the saints, he's going to probably rise pretty quickly to like a top 20, top 15 dynasty wide receiver. And you might be able to flip him for, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who's having a bounce back season in Baltimore or Travis Etienne's having a breakout season in Jacksonville. And you might be able to do a flip like that. So um, I think that's, uh, you know, pretty well set up situation there. Let's move on to Corey Van's team, who's currently in his draft right now. I'll let you take it away with him. For sure. So we actually did a consultation from him for the first two picks where, as you guys can see on the screen, it actually ended up with Dak Prescott and Trey Lance in a four-point passing touchdown Superflex League. So absolutely love securing those two quarterbacks, those two stud quarterbacks. The value after them uh, dropped off a bit at quarterback. So you're able to get the last two of what I consider a tier. So right off the bat, great start. Now we're in the stage of the late third round. And Adding to that team, uh, he actually messaged me in the DMs. He's like, hey, DK Metcalf's falling. I know this league really values young wide receivers. Should I make a slight move up to go get him? And I said, depending on cost, as I always say, that's always my answer. Depends on what the cost is. He was able to get it done for the 312 and 401 in exchange for the 305 and 408. Right off the bat, I think that's a fantastic move. DK Metcalf, after that, as much as I love Diggs, as much as I love Adams, 
they have obviously comparable point production, probably more point production. But with DK Metcalf, you're getting a 24-year-old, 28% target share type of wide receiver who is probably going to be at the lowest value you'll ever see DK Metcalf be. So you're able to buy low, get a player that maybe is a second-round startup pick next year at the 305. I think that was a phenomenal deal in that move up. His main questions are, given my team, given the fact that I have Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, and uh, DK Metcalf already locked up, what should I kind of be looking forward to at that 408 and maybe a couple of my oncoming picks? I mean, it, this kind of goes back to what we talked about in the how to contend and how to rebuild videos is that you have the flexibility to kind of go any direction that you want here. You have two core, assuming Trey Lance starts this year, and I think he will, you have two quarterbacks that should be, you know, top 12, top 15 uh, at worst for Trey Lance guys based specifically on the the rushing. And while DK Metcalf is is in his prime, he's still very young. So you could go rebuild with him. You could go contend with him. And by the time you get to that 408 or uh, the next pick that you have, you could go with another young flexibility type piece. Or if, you know, somebody's falling that you think is a great value, you could go pivot in that direction. So the nice thing that um, you have set up here is that you've set up a lot of flexibility for yourself. You don't have to go in any you know, specific direction. If you get to the 408 and Drake London falls there and you want to just go young and take Drake London, you can take Drake London or maybe one of the other rookie wide receivers. If you get to the 408 and I don't know if Saquon Barkley is still there on the board and you want Saquon Barkley, you can go in that direction or something like that. So um, like I said, a lot of flexibility. Um, I think you're doing a good job building out that, that uh, the roster and the foundation for your team. Yeah. I was just going to point that out. I think this start is tremendous and realistically comparative value. Like, yeah, like going down from the 401 to the 408, Stings a little bit, but I you didn't have to give think... up anything on top. The the trade was That's what phenomenal. I mean. Giving up from the three twelve or the three eleven, wherever you traded up to the three oh five, like exactly. I mean, that's a difference because DK Metcalf to me is is ahead of you know the next tier of wide receivers, which would have been like like I said, Drake London, um, DJ, DJ Moore, Dante Johnson type of guys like that. So DK Metcalf to me is still in that tier with Jalen Waddle and you know AJ Brown and CD Lamb and T Higgins, like those those that second tier of wide receivers. DK Metcalf still fits his way into that tier for me. So I, I do think you got a tier break at wide receiver. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. So that's what I was just going to say. Like, yeah, it stings going from the 401 to the 408, but I would counter argue that with the jump from the 312 to the 305 is bigger. Looking at that 408, you kind of mentioned some of the wide receivers that could potentially be on the board at that 408. Another option here, I understand you do have two quarterbacks, but if we're playing this team from a value standpoint, accruing value, I think if Zach Wilson falls, I think that would be another prime option for you. Lock down a stud trio young quarterback core for the foreseeable future. Obviously, with Lance and Wilson have the, having the appreciating value. And Dak Prescott as being that sturdy quarterback one for you as a couple of those guys develop. I think that's going to be a phenomenal core. You have a lot of flexibility, as Corey said, whether you know you want to target a win now piece, whether you want to target another value accrual rebuilding piece, you can make any decision on the fly and just reevaluate your situation given the texture of the board. So I think that's phenomenal. Talking about the five six turn, again, it's most likely gonna be that uh based off the draft board right off the bat. I mean, the fact that Joe Mixon going to the 306, I'm assuming a couple of those other Dalvin Cook types, Nick Chubb types, etc., are probably going to be off the board, thankfully for us, because that's not who we're targeting. I think you could potentially get a good young receiver to fall to you at that spot. Maybe pair up, you know, a Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks or somebody in that range could potentially make it to that pick. Maybe Elijah Moore if you're lucky. Yeah, I would say the the running back market looks to be about neutral though I, I wouldn't say anybody's going outrageously high here it looks like uh Brees hall and swift and Agreed. you know these guys were valued pretty appropriately even mccaffrey going off the board in the mid third round so this might be the type of league where people are pretty cognizant of not overvaluing running backs so you might actually get some half decent value on running back because typically by the like you, you see a more casual draft and we got you know derrick henry and dalvin cook off the board already uh, by yeah. the end of the third round yeah no and i agree i just kind of pointed to it out like Maybe team four uh, wants to take one other running back given their build right now. Uh, it, it could make the case because, I mean, when you take JT over a couple of those quarterbacks, you're already kind of putting yourself into a win-now build. So maybe he leans running back. And the same thing with – I don't Cooper, know why uh, Trevor Lawrence with his other pick there. That doesn't make yeah, any sense to me. That, that, that didn't make sense from a matching standpoint. But overall, Corey, I think you're on the, the right track there. Again, target that value, whether it's your top receiver, maybe Zach Wilson at the 408, and at the 5-6 turn. You could be looking again like Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, receivers in that range. And then in terms of running backs, like 
what like Travis Etienne maybe falls there. Yeah, yeah, I do think based on how these guys are evaluating running backs, there's a good chance that one of those guys makes it to the fifth round for him. So um, that's enough on Corey's team. I think he's well set up. Let's move yep. on to uh, Mark here, twelve team super flex tight end premium league. You guys can see the team on the screen there. Pretty win now quarterback build with Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields as his third quarterback, uh, Saquon Barkley, Ceh. Um, and looks like that's the main guys at running back, Devontae Adams, Darnell Mooney, Garrett Wilson, uh, Kadarius Tony, and a bunch of other guys at wide receiver, Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry, mainly at tight end. He has some IDPs, obviously, that we're not going to talk about. A couple guys on his taxi squad as well. And then a 2023 first next year. Uh, no second, but he has four third-round picks in 2023. Um, he came in third last year, but the top two teams are stacked, and another team got unlucky with injuries. He's basically wondering where does he go from here does he try and go younger does he try and push his chips to the middle do i blow it all up and go for a rebuild he has an offer currently on this on the table i don't know if he actually has this offer on the table but he said i'm currently trying to sell adams for drake london do you think that is smart um or do i try and see where this team goes mid-season or something and then decide at that point now on the on the trade i don't think i would trade Devonte adams straight up for drake london if you can get drake london plus something for Devonte adams then I would make that trade. But Adams, to me, will have a lot of value. Um, so if you can't get Drake London you know, plus for him, go to a different uh, manager and see what you can get. Yeah, if you can't get Drake London plus, maybe you can get Elijah Moore maybe in a bigger plus because of the fact that people are scared about the status of Garrett Wilson. I, I do understand that you do have Garrett Wilson on this team. People might ask, well, are you scared to have both Jets receivers? I'm actually in a startup right now where I took both the Jets receivers. If you believe in the team, if you believe in the offense, and you believe in the value, I have no problem rostering multiple players on the same team. So that could be an option, a Devontae Smith type. Maybe you, maybe possibly in this league you can get Devontae Smith in a first for Devontae Adams. Which I don't think is team. outrageous given Devontae Smith's value right now. Yeah. So yeah, uh, to answer your original question, I would blow this up. Yes. Personally. I, I, I don't think this team can compete. You would need an otherworldly season from Saquon Barkley and Devontae Adams and some of your older veteran pieces to make sure that this team could compete because I just I, I frankly don't see the depth at most of these positions here. You're pretty thin yeah. at running back. You're pretty thin at wide receiver. Um, you have an aging quarterback uh, with uh, Aaron Rodgers and an older quarterback with with Russell Wilson, an unproven quarterback with Justin Fields. So I would probably start to sell off some of your older pieces, mainly Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I mean, CEH, if he still has yeah. any value, Devontae Adams. And um, that looks to be like the main guys that I would try and sell off and transition this more into a, a productive struggle. I'm not sure how much these IDP guys contribute to your team, um, but I'm sure TJ Watt has a lot of value in an IDP league as well. So I would be looking to sell off some pieces, transition this into the future because um, I just don't frankly see a good enough team. Like you kind of said, you came in third last year and you almost got lucky because some teams had some injuries and you said there's two teams that are, you know, super teams are uh, in your league. So I would look to gear yourself towards a 2023, 2024, 2025 type of winning window, because if there's super teams in your league, then you're probably not going to beat them with this. Yep. No, I completely agree with Corey there. If there are super teams, you're, you're not going to beat this, uh, beat them with this team. Um, and yeah, I mean like CEH, Saquon Barkley, those are maybe guys that if they get off to a hot few stars, maybe, you know, CEH is scoring a couple touchdowns within the first couple of weeks and all the CEH truthers are like, see, I told you he's good at football. Then you can sell him off or potentially, you know, a young receiver who struggles. I would with. take any years first for CEH if you can somehow heart, get it. And I would heart. throw in a two on top of CEH just to secure oh, two it. Like I would I would trade away CH in a 2023 second for a 2023 first after a couple games, maybe where he scores some touchdowns. I would take a 2024 first. I would take a 2025 first if you're allowed to trade those Russell, as well. So I was going to say Russell Gage is another sneaky one that you can maybe include in a package to a contender because as we kind of know, Chris Godwin may miss the first couple of weeks we've been kind of saying all offseason. If Russell Gage has, you know, a hot start and people think he's going to be the Antonio Brown role on the Bucks offense you can capitalize on that and maybe you can package you know ceh russell gage in a second into a first from an owner who thinks that oh no these are the pieces i need depth i need to be able to make a push for the championship this year that could end up being a plausible deal that surfaces once the season starts right and that'll get that production off your team and it'll also give you another asset to rebuild so yeah to answer your original question i would tear this thing down yes. um adams for drake london is not personally enough for me to get off of Devonte adams one for one if you can't get, you know, a young wide receiver, aim for two first round picks for Devontae Adams because a contender will probably give you two first round picks for him. 
And uh, I do think Devontae Adams is still going to be a huge difference maker this year. So you don't want to sell too low on him. And the last thing I'll add before we transition is that for this team, I kind of talked about it in the buy these assets now video, acquire these assets now video. But this is a team that, quite frankly, when people have that, you know, bias of so far out, stack up on the 2024 class. Not like people at this point know the value of 2023. People know that that class, that 2023 draft class is a gold mine. Therefore, we should value the picks extremely high. The 2024 class, people aren't necessarily talking up yet. But as I kind of outlined in the video, there are a ton of quality prospects that are already emerging after their freshman year. So if you can, you know, by the end of this teardown, have four, five, 2024 first, I would deem that successful. Right. And if people are going crazy in the comments right now, being like, how are you talking about the 2024 class? We've only seen one season of these guys. If you go back to the 2021 class, we knew Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, you know, some of these guys were going to be great prospects as well. right off the right off. The, yeah, exactly. 2020 as well. We knew Jonathan Taylor came in right away, had like a 2000 yard season. Um, you can sometimes you just know with guys like Caleb Williams, with guys like Travion Henderson, you just know they're going to be, you know, great prospects. Xavier worthy. Yeah, yeah, Xavier Worthy. Guys like even Justin Ross, his rookie se- his freshman season, obviously he got injured, but we knew he was going to be a great prospect had he stayed healthy. So um, let's get into the uh, next team here. Mark Janikowski here, um, uh, Hammers, Hammers' own, right? Uh, Hamilton, Ontario's <laughs> own. 12-team Superflex, 1.75 tight end premium league. Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, and then Fodder. He has he, he listed mainly his pieces and then just said everybody else on my team is Fodder. So I just wrote Fodder <laughs> for everything else. Um, Eckler, Dylan, Melvin Gordon, and Fodder. Uh, T. Higgins, Hollywood Brown, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, and then T.J. Hawkinson, mainly at tight end. He has three ones and three twos in this next draft class, and then all of his picks in 2024. So he has a couple questions here. Number one, should he take this team into the season, see where he's at after you know a couple games, pray that he has no injuries to guys like Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, or whatever, um, because he does have you know a pretty lethal Charger stack here with Herbert Eckler and Keenan Allen. Um, what are your thoughts on this team? Do you think this is a team that can compete right away, a wait and see type of approach, or are you trying to make a transition to either, you know, get more contention or get younger? Genuinely speaking, this is a good team. However, Eckler and Keenan specifically, I mean, he kind of outlines here, Eckler, Keenan, and Sutton. Those are, those would be the names specifically that don't really fit when exactly I expect you to be in your prime. I expect you to be in your prime mainly when your 2023 draft picks end up hitting their prime. By the time that happens, Keenan Allen's probably a 33-year-old receiver. Austin Eckler has no value on the market. Corlin Sutton's maybe a 30-year-old receiver who is worth, you know, a second in the future. I genuinely would consider to a contender, you maybe you target the same team that's willing to give you multiple picks, multiple valuable pieces, as you kind of outline here. I would just try to dominate the next few draft classes, really, really make this thing a monster. And again, there are going to be people in the comments. Well, how do you know your league's going to last that long? Well, why would you acquire picks in the future when you can try to win now? It's like, no, those players have value right now. You know your winning window is 2023 or 2024. Make sure that by the time those players peak, you have your best crafted team available to be able to do so. Yeah, and I would say the reason you're coming to that conclusion is because you are a little thin, right? There's not a lot of depth on this team. Your second quarterback is Mac Jones, who we expect to have long-term job security, but not necessarily high fantasy point output. Also, you don't have a third quarterback who's a starter as it currently stands right now with Baker Mayfield as your main third quarterback. Your second running back is technically a backup running back. Melvin Gordon's like 29 years old, who's your third running back. And then, I mean, your receivers are strong enough. I I would say that the top four receivers that you have there is strong enough to compete, but only if you had two or three great running backs, only if you had two or three great quarterbacks. Your tight end's fine as well, but I would say this team is just a little thin. And to Danny's point, if you you don't want to sell these guys now, if you want to wait until the start of the season to see – you know, where you're at after a couple games, Eckler and, and Keenan Allen will have a lot of value. You should be able to get first round draft capital quality returns on those guys. And if you can get, you know, a 2023 first and a small piece for Eckler, um, a 2023 first straight up for Keenan Allen midseason, then, you know, you could have five, six first round picks going into that draft class and really fill out your running back core in that class, maybe get another young receiver or two as well. And probably a third quarterback. So, um, Basically, his second question was, should I blow it up now? Trade away Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, Austin Eckler, and maybe Hollywood Brown. Come away with more firsts and seconds to prep for the 2023 class and beyond. He says, I have 99%. I have a 99% chance at the 101 in 2023 with one of his picks because the guy traded away his entire team. He said he also has his second, which is likely a late first because it's, you know, it's going to be like the 201. So 
to a um, 13, if you will. What do you, so knowing that information, again, that kind of just reinforces what we've already talked about. Um, knowing that you could have a chance or have a really good chance at B. John Robinson, I'm probably going to tank my own pick also to make sure I get another great you know, prospect as well. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. If you can walk out of this with potentially the 101, another top four pick, and I don't, you don't mention here where your other first will reside, but regardless of where it is, you can realistically turn this thing into a top two team in your league by next year if you play it right. Again, if you sell off for Eckler, if you sell off for Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen and Cortland Sutton, maybe a contender will look at Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton. Maybe they won't do two first straight up, but maybe Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, and one of your later projected 2023 seconds can potentially get you a 2023 one and a 2024 one. Those would be the type of transitions I'm looking to do. Yeah. And also you could just, you know, let's say we get to mid season and um, for example, last year, Deandre Swift had 12 games where he was phenomenal, but then he got hurt right, right before the playoffs. So right around the trade deadline, if Travis Etienne has like a Deandre Swift breakout and he gets hurt in week 11 and he's going to be out for five games and you can trade somebody Eckler for ETN straight up. That just extends your winning window. You get a younger running back that you can use, you know, in 2023, 2024, when you're ready to actually compete versus Eckler by that point will be 28, 29 years old. And we don't really know what his situation will be. So that's something also that I would look to make as kind of like a savvy move. And we'll have you covered as far as like trade targets during the season. Um, based on the news and stuff that we're uh, going with. And then he also says, should I spend one of my 2023 firsts or my seconds now to try and compete even harder? I would say that is probably one of the biggest mistakes that people make in Dynasty because there's so much variance, right? Uh, And Danny says it all the time. Good teams don't win championships. Monsters do. So you have a chance to build a monster here. You have the foundation to build a monster here. I'm not going to you know, frugally throw that away for the chance at competing this year because there's no guarantee that you even make the playoffs, let alone win the championship. Exactly. I mean, quite simply, uh, a lot of if if Justin Herbert gets injured this year, you're not even going to make the playoffs, I would say. Well, like a lot of generic advice you see, whether on YouTube, on Twitter, wherever, is that all you have to do is make the dance to have a chance. That's basically the line that every single analyst will throw around. But my answer to that is maybe in redraft that works because for the most part, yeah, you're going to have stronger teams in redraft comparably throughout the league. But realistically, in a dynasty, that is not how it works. You're going to have teams that are, quite simply, the one seed versus the four seed looks like, you know, the senior varsity team versus the middle school starters. Like, genuinely. You got, you got, you got, you know, the Monstars versus the, uh, the Monstars versus the freaking Looney Tunes before Michael Jordan got put on the team. Like, that's the, that's the type of difference we're looking at here for the most part in dynasty leagues between even the one and the four seed. So, as I kind of said, you have to develop a team of monsters to even have a you know better than average chance at winning championships in dynasty i genuinely and i frugally believe that and the way to do that is let's be honest a lot of people in general will misappropriate the value of draft picks on the market and that's where you can take advantage so if you stack up on these classes make that monster team you can realistically dominate this team for the next five years after that or league five years after that yeah yeah totally agree so um we can move on to the non-patron questions but Before we do that, got to pay some bills around here. Word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Hey lads, today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors over at Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming across the globe. With summer just around the corner, our sponsors over at Manscaped are here with the best tools to get you ready for the warm weather and good times. Everyone wants an active summer. Manscaped provides men with the cleanest and most concise trimming experience available on the market. The summer is coming by quickly. Did you sure up your grooming routine with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day just a little more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. And get this, the trimmer's advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your body. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave in the dark. Did I mention that it's also waterproof? This package also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all of the worst of your weeds. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes of yours. In addition to your Performance Package 4.0, Manscaped is proud to announce the official launch of the Boxer 2.0, the optimal protector of your family jewels. Let your bulge breathe with the comfiest boxers on the market. 
This summer, it's time to join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code BUSH for 20% off plus free shipping. Again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code BUSH at checkout. Manscaped gives your manhood the proper treatment it deserves. We appreciate the support for the Fancy Stock Exchange over by our friends at Manscaped and thank them for sponsoring today's video. And speaking of that video, let's get right back to it. All right, big thanks to Manscaped, 20% off using promo code BUSH plus free shipping. You guys know the drill by now. Let's get into uh, Showstoppers team, Superflex, PPR League, uh, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson as his main quarterbacks, CMC, Javante Williams, CEH, et cetera, at running back, uh, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Rashad Bateman buried all the way down there in the depth chart uh, at wide receiver, Zach Ertz, and Dalton Schultz as his main tight ends. Then he also has uh, his rookie draft is yet to happen. He has the 104, 204, 304, and then two firsts in next year's class. So, Overall, looks like a pretty you know well-built team, contender type of build here. Debating on if he should try and compete or not, or whether he should rebuild. Because, I mean, as you guys can see, looking at his team, he does have some pretty clear competing type of assets with Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Tyree Kill, CMC, guys like that. Um, he was offered Darren Waller and Allen Robinson for his Devontae Smith and Dalton Schultz. Now, that would probably make his team better in the short term, because uh, you get a better tight end, better wide receiver, I would say, this year. I would imagine Allen Robinson outscores Devontae Smith. I don't know if that's a smart move is what he says here. Sounds good at first, but it's essentially two older assets for two younger assets. Um, what would you kind of do in this situation? Would you tear this down, sell a couple guys, or would you kind of see what happens this year? And and because you're going to still have, you know, your 104, 204, 304 joining this team as well. To put it simple. Uh, so this is a superplex as it outlines here. CMC is going to be a difference maker. You know that Javante Williams should be, you know, a, a decent RB2 for you as well. I feel like your, your flex positions for the most part in your starters are pretty good. But as I kind of say, you need a monster not to be pretty good. The main detriment here is going to come at the quarterback position. As much as I like Derek Carr, as much as I love Zach Wilson, especially at value, you do not have that true difference maker at quarterback that a contending team realistically needs to get pushed over the top. Like you don't have a Lamar Jackson. You don't have a Kyler Murray. And if you don't have one of those guys, you need an otherworldly wide receiver running back and tight end. Exactly. If if you're going to roll into the season with Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, and Zach Wilson, like I need CMC, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, and Leonard Fournette as my running backs. I need Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, you know, Rashad Bateman, and fucking four more other solid pieces at wide receiver. I need, you know, George Kittle as my tight end or something like that. But um, I would say you're probably, you're definitely like a playoff caliber team, but it, it really all depends. Do you want to, you know, bite your nails and hope that a playoff caliber team wins the championship in this league? Or do you want to sell off a few pieces proactively and potentially turn this into a monster? Exactly. The the way Corey said it, you have a couple firsts already next year. CMC is probably going to get you a phenomenal haul, especially if he goes out in the first couple games. He's CMC of the old. He has, you know, 230 point game out, especially in PPR, 230 point game uh, games in a row. You could realistically get two plus first for him as soon as he shows CMC of old. And at that point, you already have two 2023 first. You have a relatively young core apart from CMC with Javante Williams, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Zach Wilson, etc. There. I would really, really look at leveraging those older pieces, especially when they show glimpses, especially when a contender is willing to see, okay, all the downsides risk quote unquote, that we thought about CMC coming to the year. Well, he's proven that that's a fugaz or, I mean, the same thing with Tyree kill. We don't know about the situation right now. He goes out week one and he puts up, you know, four for 130 and two touchdowns, just like Tyree kill is capable of. Those are the type of value pockets where you can sell those elite fantasy assets of old and recoup a ridiculous amount of assets. And again, you play your cards right here. You can absolutely make this into a monster within a couple of years. Right, and you you might even be able to re, uh, transition Derek Carr and maybe plus another like win now piece like Zach Ertz or Ch into a young quarterback too. Like you're yes. not going to get. I mean, Zach Wilson would be the perfect target, but obviously he's already on your team. Maybe if you can transition um, Derek Carr, I'm just going to look at my rankings right now. So I maybe can see Fields. I have. Yeah. Uh, sorry, who did you say? Maybe Fields. Yeah, maybe Justin Fields. People might be down on him because of what the you know the pack or the Bears failed to do around him this year. Even if you wanted to transition Derek Carr into like Mac Jones, who's going to be like your QB three for the fu- foreseeable future, and you know that your QB one or your future QB one is in like a future draft class or something like that, I- I'd be looking to maybe make a transition off of those QBs as well, especially Matt Ryan, who is probably going to be fine from like a redraft perspective this year. Fine QB two, if you can get anything of value or any kind of young piece for him, I'd be looking to do something like that. So yeah. 
to answer your you know initial question is should you compete or should you rebuild i would proactively rebuild this team yes. most likely because even if you know you add your 104 and it's Traylon burks or garrett wilson to this team you add your 204 and maybe it's you know james cook or you know david bell or something like that and they make contributions their rookie seasons it's still a, a pretty dicey situation to be in like danny said at quarterback where you don't really have a difference maker you're probably going to get you know 15 to 20 points per game maximum out of guys like Derek carr zach wilson and matt ryan this year so um, yeah, like to answer your initial question, I would probably try and proactively rebuild this team. Yep. No, I, I, I fully agree with Corey there. Uh, we can transition to the next team and I'll let you take it away with John wick 99's team. Yeah. So John Wick's team here, it's a 14 team full PPR one quarterback league. So thankfully he's in a 14 team league that is not a super flex because I feel like <laughs> that is just absolute torture for people that do that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz is his main quarterbacks there. So a little weaker DJ Moore, Devonte Smith, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, George Pickens. So a huge haul out of this year's rookie class, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, Elijah Mitchell, mainly at running back Dallas Goddard as his tight end. Looks like he has a 2023 first. Um, looks like he just has all of his picks in the future. And then, uh, yeah, nothing real different there. So, uh, looking at this team, he likes his foundation of his young receiving core. Obviously they have a ton of upside and he's definitely deep at that position. Running back is, um, where he's kind of not sure what to do. Uh, looking at his running back core, you're kind of caught in limbo with like RB two types, um, in dynasty, especially with the construction, with the rest of his roster quarterbacks and wide receivers in particular, his running backs kind of just don't match what his team is looking like. Um, does he try to flip one or two of his running backs for better ones? or for future firsts instead. So what would you kind of do and how would you handle his running back core given the construction of the rest of his team? Yeah, I'm, I'm tripping the running back core. I mean, you have the young appreciating talent at wide receiver. You have a very, very nice piece at, at tight end with Dallas Goddard. You have Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz who can suffice in a one quarterback league. It just kind of seems like a, a log jam at running back right now of guys that should be, you know, safe floor options, but you don't have a league winning type of asset here. You don't have a player that can realistically ascend to a top five running back. The main transition I could maybe look for here is although you're accepting a little bit more volatility and a little bit more risk, if you can potentially transition one of those guys into a Travis Etienne archetype where you can make the bold case of Etienne hits, this team can very much contend, especially within the next couple of years. That would be the simple transition I see here. Cause as much as I love Gibson, as much as I love Montgomery, realistically, both of their ceilings are probably RB eight ish. Would you say yeah, RB ones probably at right? best. If and ETN, I mean, Gibson might not even have that high of a ceiling. If, if ETN hits his ceiling, he's legitimately a top six running back in fantasy. So that, that that's my thought on it. Uh, you I, have, I might uh, even just opt to go straight for picks with those guys. That um, would work too. Get, get yeah. the production off of your team, tank your own pick, fill out your running back core in future draft classes. If you can yeah. get a 2023 or a 2024 first for either of those running backs, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. Yep. I also, it's a one quarterback league. So you might even be able to pull off a nice young quarterback for one of those guys as well. If you could uh, transition Antonio Gibson straight up into Trey Lance, maybe even plus because it's a one quarterback league, I might consider doing something like that as well. Um, because this, this team is, is not ready to compete. Your wide receiver core is, is very, very young and is going to be good for the next three to four years. So you, you have a lot of time. Dallas Goddard's a tight end. He's not going to be you know useless two to three years from now. Great point made right there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that fully. Uh, I didn't completely just drop my mic on my face there. If you guys were watching, uh, that didn't just happen. But either way, I mean, yeah, he kind of mentions, uh, while I like my team, I'm just unsure whether to rebuild or not. Kind of Corey said, uh, the main running backs there are on my takeaway, whether you can get a liquidity or maybe an upgrade to a guy like ETN, that would be the type of move I would look for. So before we transition to the next team, we can talk about the couple trades he made this offseason. So I'll let you take it away with the trades he made. Yeah, so he traded away Terry McLaurin in a 2024 second uh, for the 104. So gets younger at wide receiver, gets trailing Burks. I think when you, when you ask like, should I rebuild or should I contend? I think you made your own decision when you made that trade. You, you when when you transition away from a guy like Terry McLaurin into the 104 and trailing Burks, I think you kind of already made the decision that you're going to rebuild. And again, with the next trade that you made, and this is just phenomenal value here, Calvin Ridley in a 2024 third for the 109, and the 109 ended up being Jamison Williams, who probably should have been off the board 106 or 107. So, and Jamison Williams to me is just the perfect rebuilding wide receiver. So, um, yeah, I think you kind of already made your decision for yourself there. And I would say you're, you're well on track to start rebuilding this team. So Gibson, Montgomery, Elijah Mitchell, I'm throwing them on the open market. Yeah. And just adding to this, uh, the, the underrated part here that it's not going to be talked about is yeah, it's a one quarterback league. So quarterback talent, uh, isn't going to be pushed up the board, but this is also a 14 team 2024 second. This is also a 14 team 2024 third. 
A 14 team 2024 third is peanuts. Like at best case scenario, you're looking for what the 29th overall pick. Like, yeah, sure. I guess that's a, a mid third. Like realistically, you can package a mid third onto Calvin Ridley and get a potential player. Again, I love Calvin Ridley. I think he's a target, especially for a team. If you're in a one year productive struggle to transition into a contender by 2023, I think he's a great target. However, given his age, given the situation he's been dealing with his ceiling, he can't get into the top 12 dynasty wide receivers. If Jamison Williams shows glimpses this year, if he shows his upside, he's got the age and he's got the explosive ability, the playmaking ability to be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver if he hits his bowl gates. That is what you're looking for in your team. You look for appreciation and potential complete misappropriations of value if your players do indeed hit the ceiling that you project. Jamison Williams, as I kind of said, hits his ceiling. You're talking about maybe a two, three, maybe three and a half round increase in startup value by next year. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we covered uh, John Wick's team pretty in depth here. Let's move on to Peyton Walker's team. 12 team, one quarterback league, half PPR. Uh, it's in the fourth year of his league. Jalen Hurts is his main quarterback in a one QB with Matthew Stafford there. Javante Williams, uh, Rashad White, Alexander Madison, Chase Edmonds, kind of like a hero RB there. Uh, DJ Moore, Jameson Williams, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, David Bell, uh, and some others at wide receiver, Noah Fant, Trey McBride, Albert O is his main tight ends. Um, he you know lists here how he spent his draft capital. He got, looks like Jameson Williams, 106, David Bell, uh, at 203, Trey McBride in the mid-second, et cetera, et cetera there. Has two firsts and six seconds next year, which is an underrated part of uh, the 2023 classes, stacking up on those second-round picks. Um, he he lists here that his league redrafts if someone wins back-to-back. So if somebody goes back-to-back in the league, they redraft the entire startup, which is an interesting wrinkle that I've never seen. So That's pretty cool. Building a monster might not be the play in this league. Yeah, it might not because, I mean, really – it, it's a cool. I mean, concept. you still want to I mean, win the league, so building yeah. a monster would definitely be good. But it is a di- it's an interesting wrinkle that I've never seen before. It is very interesting because again, like if you build too big of a monster and you forfeit, you know, three four years, let's just say hypothetically, you, all you can get out of it is two years. And yeah, like mathematically, that is a plus EV move. But it like the 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 inherent upside of building a monster is you could potentially you know be in the finals of your league for five six years in a row so that is an interesting wrinkle that you kind of said uh but i'll let you get back to it because i just wanted to interject a little bit yeah no it's it's definitely interesting so um he made a couple trades to get to this point in the team and then we'll kind of just go over it but um we'll just go over these trades rapid fire so he received dallas goddard and two second round picks for elijah mitchell and rondell moore again woodshed deal i would have taken honestly and i, I don't remember if this is a tight end premium it's not two a tight twos. end premium if, if it was a tight end premium i honestly would have considered dallas goddard over both of those guys by himself in a heartbeat in a heartbeat yeah. i i would i would take dallas goddard right now over elijah mitchell and start up in a non-tight end premium so rondell moore is not making the difference to me either so give me the two second rounders uh the next trade here he's got josh jacobs 209 and Easy. 203 for antonio gibson Easy. in the third i'd rather have jacobs than gibson straight up in dynasty right now so um, give me uh, the Jacob side there easily also gets uh, a 2023 first, a 2024 first, uh, a second rounder in this year's class of the 207, which ended up becoming uh, Rashad white. And then a 2023 second in exchange for Tyree kill Juju and Josh Jacobs. So he sells off all those win Easy. now type of pieces you get. I mean, you equate the value here. Tyree kills worth what the, the first and the second next year. And then okay. 2024 first probably is worth the rest of the package. And then you get the 207 as gravy. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, heck, I would rather the 2024 one over Jacobs and Juju. So if that tells you anything, you got a free 207, and I would have taken the deal regardless, even if you didn't get the 207. So yeah. great move there. Uh, next move, I mean. 205 for Devin Singletary, not much said there. 303 for Harrison Bryan, I'll take yeah. the 303. Uh, 2023 second for Dallas Goddard. I I mean, if it was I probably would have kept Goddard. I would too. If it was like a two and a three, I would have been a little bit more comfortable. It's just, again, I I am also comparatively higher on Dallas Goddard. I think he's one of the perfect targets in redraft and you still got youth on his side with 27, uh, 27 years old. I mean, yeah, is his target share probably going to be affected with the move of AJ Brown? Absolutely. But as we've kind of said all off season, the target share implications for Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard are going to get combated with the fact that this is going to be a a more efficient offense and be an inherently higher passing volume offense. So while his raw or sorry, while his overall target share may go down, his raw target totals will either slightly go down or possibly stay the same, which will be propped up again by increased efficiency, given the fact that acquiring a superstar level talent receiver is going to make this offense better. 
Yeah, and you know he has inherently more touchdown upside if they're moving the ball yes. a lot more on offense too. So, um, yeah, the Dallas Goddard one's the only one that I kind of disagree with. I think he did well in the rest of the trades. Yep. A couple more questions that he has here, and then we can move on to the next team. He says, "Do I trade for Kyler Murray?" It is a one quarterback league, um, but the guy said uh, Stafford plus a decent piece would be um, enough for him to move off of Kyler Murray. So, who's a decent piece that you could include on top of Matthew Stafford here to to get up to Kyler Murray in a one quarterback league? Christian Kirk. I don't know if that's a decent piece enough. I think by uh, decent what, piece, I think the guy's probably mean? eyeing Rashad Bateman, Elijah no. Moore, somebody no. like that. If I'm you could throw that. in one of your, like like Rashad White, then I'd do that. Um, or like David, would you throw David Bell in on Matthew Stafford to get Kyler Murray? I don't think I would. In a one quarterback. Yeah, in a super no flex, in a heartbeat, I would. In a heartbeat, in a, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. In a one quarterback league, uh, I think I'd probably say that, like Danny said, if you can get it for, you know, Rashad White or, you know, one of your second, you have six Kirk. seconds in 2023. If you could maybe throw Tyon Colbert. Yeah, maybe, maybe Tyon Colbert. Yeah. If you could throw uh, Matthew Stafford one of your seconds and Christian Kirk to get it done, I'm I'm cool with something like that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that there. Uh, so what are the questions he says? What, oh, he who, said, else? who else should I be selling off and for what? Honestly, Stafford's the only guy that kind of sticks out. It looks yeah. like you have kind of like a productive struggle type of uh, team here with all the draft capital that you have. I'd probably be just looking to sell off anybody that is currently in their prime. So a guy like Matthew Stafford, maybe DJ Moore is off to a superstar level season next year, um, and you could sell him off. Those are the only two names that stand out to me. But again, more so in-season type of moves for me. Uh, currently trying to sell Madison to the Dalvin Cook owner. Yeah, I mean, if you can somehow get a second-round pick for Alexander Madison from the Dalvin Cook owner, that is a smash deal. And then he also says, do I take whatever I can get for Odell Beckham Jr. or wait for him to play and sell in season? Definitely wait. Um, OBJ, I've actually been taking in the last two startups yeah. that I've done. I think I have him in both of them because he goes in like round 22 or something. I mean, yeah. the dude can still play by the looks of it. So um, I'd wait for him to be back on the field personally. Yeah, like this is definitely a wait and hold type of situation. I mean, it's pretty simple to me. It's the, again, like it's the AB case from two years ago. Only you're not getting the off-field concerns with Odell. The only concerns are the injuries, which, you know, are valid concerns. But we have seen when Odell Beckham is ha uh, healthy, when Odell Beckham is on the field playing football, Odell Beckham is still at worst a top 20-ish type of wide receiver. Uh, top 24 in fantasy, right? So you're getting that type of upside at relative late third round type of opportunity cost. Like, I would rather just hold and maybe flip uh, for profit when he shows signs of being prime Odell Beckham because – Odell Beckham, when he is on the field, is a legitimate piece, a legitimate flex piece for a championship contending type of team. Yeah. Side note. Do you remember when I traded LaVisca Chenault for Odell Beckham and everyone flamed me in the chat uh, last year? I mean, it, you could probably, once Odell Beckham Jr. signs with a team, means that his his health is probably clearing up a little bit. I think you could probably flip him to it for a second if he signs with a good team. Maybe him in a third for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good profit, like you said. So yeah. um, let's move on to the next team here. Gleam Tweeter, 12-team, Superflex, best ball, six-point for passing touchdowns, and a tiered PPR. So half for running backs, full for wide receivers, tight end premium, one and a half. So this is the team here. Uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence in a six-point for passing touchdown league. Definitely a solid quarterback core. Absolutely no running backs to speak of. You love to see it. Sony Michelle is his RB1. Uh, Debo, Rashad Bateman, Christian Kirk, Juju, et cetera, at wide receiver. And then Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, and Pat Fryermuth at tight end in a tight end premium along with three 2023 first three seconds, two thirds, two first in 2024. And the rest of his picks does not have any of his first or second in this year's class though. Um, looking at this team. I mean, this is, looks like a classic, you know, uh, value accumulation type of type of team. You get the most important positions in a league like this would be tight end and quarterback. Most likely, especially when you get premium tight ends like Pitts, Kittle and Fryermuth, and uh, premium quarterbacks, like the top three you have plus Trevor Lawrence. So, he said his startup draft went awry, so he went into tank mode. I think tight end and quarterback are more valuable in this league, evident from the roster. <laughs> but frankly, not sure where to go from here. Prepared to tank again with no running backs and try to sweep the 2023 class to compete next year. Trade strategy and advice welcome. He said his, his rookie draft is tomorrow, but he only has one third, and he feels like he has a decent handle on it. So uh, just general thoughts on the team given the wild format. Yeah, no, I, I think he's done a phenomenal job thus far. And uh, we can look at some of the deals too. So he sent away the 102, the 107, Brevin Jordan. Trevor Lawrence, I would rather have than the 102 at this point. Uh, I would rather have than Drake London as much as I love it's, Drake it's, London. I would rather have Drake London, but it's very close. That, like that, let's just say for, for purpose, let's let's cancel each other out. But then we look at 107 and Brevin Jordan. 
for Rashad Bateman and I'd rather have the 210 than Brevin Jordan 107 and I'd rather have uh, and Rashad Bateman than the 107 so 100% so I love your side there I especially given the six-point passing touchdown nature that's an underrated factor as to why I'd also rather Trevor Lawrence than Drake London it's a tiered PPR with six-point passing touchdowns which always gives the advantage to the quarterbacks there so uh love the side you got there Knox for Tony in a 309 I'm more than fine with taking the chance on Kadarius Tony I think they're about relative value but given the fact that you have two of the top five overall tight ends in dynasty and another one in Pat Fryermuth who's right on the cusp is around you know top seven top eight type of status I'm fine with giving up Knox getting another upside type of wide receiver with Tony I think you did a great job there yeah, th- those two trades definitely. I-, I think it's uh really you know savvy of you too to make sure that you're like because a-, a typical rebuilding team, the 102 and 107, you just spend those picks, right? You just assume, oh, I'm rebuilding, I get the rookies. But I mean, good on you. Maybe you're really high on Trevor Lawrence. You recognize that might maybe he's gonna have a bounce back season. Go out and get a guy that can appreciate in value by midseason. Cause if Trevor Lawrence is playing a lot better next year, he's gonna go up in value and you're gonna have an awesome trade tip because you don't really need him, to be honest, on this roster. And you could probably flip him you know, maybe potentially for a 2023 and a 2024 first midseason or something like that. If he's having a breakout year, you also get, I mean, Marcus Mariota, Hayden Hurst in the 202 for a, to get yourself a 2024 yes. first easy trade there. I'm not even sure what that guy's thinking. If that's like win now type of move for him, but it's not even that good. 209 for Rondell Moore. I mean, if you like Rondell Moore, I think that's a fine value. I'd probably rather have the 209, but it's, it's probably a, a pretty cancel out there. Too much for me. I'm not a Rondale fan. Like I, for me, he's like a relative third rounder. So I mean, if you're if you're a fan of Rondale, I mean, realistically, you're talking about like Rondale or like Jalen Tolbert at that point. Sure. Like if you have preference, go for it. I'm, I'm not a big Rondale guy, but I, at least I see as to why you would do this move. So uh, you know, I would prefer the the pick. But if you like Rondale, go for it. Next, although I mean, 113, 201, 210, whatever. That's a bunch of noise for Debo Samuel. Give me Debo Samuel. Yep, for sure. So I think uh, Gleam Tweeter, you're in a you're in a good spot. You're, you're yes. accumulating value. You're going to be making a lot of moves with this type of team uh, by midseason. If you know certain players are having breakout years, you flip them for more picks and et cetera, et cetera. You have five first round picks in the next two drafts to be able to help to fill out your running back core. And I mean, you have some of the best assets you can have in a league scoring format like this. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence in a six point league. Those three tight ends in a tight end premium, including Kyle Pitts, who is obviously untouchable in that type of format. Uh, you love to see that. So uh, let's move on to big dynasty guys team here. Uh, 12 team half PPR super flex with a 0.75 tight end premium. So just a little bit more valuable for the tight ends. Deshaun Watson, Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, Brees Hall, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, mainly at running back, Jefferson, uh, Marquise Brown, Bateman, Sutton, David Bell at wide receiver, uh, Rob Gronkowski, mainly at tight end. Uh, first next year, uh, two or three seconds in 2023, third, fourth uh, there. And then he has a number of trades here. So he wants to know basically what are our thoughts on this team overall. He feels like he can compete if things break his way, i.e. Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended or he gets suspended for a very limited amount of time. Uh, Rob Gronkowski needs to play, obviously. Saquon Barkley and ETN need to stay healthy. But if those things don't happen, I think I should aim for 2023 being his competing window. So if that happens, um, who would you be looking to like sell and build around if you're looking to punt that window to 2023? Or are you kind of in the mindset that he is that if things break right he can compete this year honestly i mean this is a house money year looking at this team obviously you got a locked and loaded uh, superstar asset that is not realistically going to change in value for the next three four five whatever years with justin jefferson he is the prime example of value uh value insulation if you will marquise brown rashad bateman Cortland Sutton. i love how you built and david bell i love how you built that receiver core especially at the top five the running backs are all guys that you know when Danny likes a running back, you've built a good running back room. But generally speaking, at value, I love all those guys, all those running backs. I think Brees Hall, relatively appropriate at the mid to late second price tag that you're currently paying for him. And then when you're talking about Barkley and ETN, they're four or five, like four or five turn type of guys for me. I think you got a great value. So, I mean, overall, like if I'm going to build a running back room, this would ha- kind of be how I'd craft it. Yeah, and I would say to, to Danny's point, this is like a house money year for you. Yeah, things could definitely break right for you. If Saquon's back to old Saquon, ETN has a freaking swift type breakout. Brees Hall gets onto the scene pretty fast. Like this could be a very good team 
in from like a redraft perspective in your league. He said he also made a couple moves in the startup that he feels pretty good about. I mean, we, we're getting a little long in this video, so we're probably not going to outline those moves, but you guys can see them on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. He said he feels like he sold Zach Wilson a little low, so we'll just uh, highlight that deal real quick for him. So he sold Zach Wilson for Marquise Brown on a 2023 second. I, I probably say you probably sold a little low on Zach Wilson, but I don't think it's outrageous. Like, generally speaking, like, maybe you could have gotten Brown in two seconds for Wilson in a third. That's, like, nitpicky in my opinion. And he doesn't like – he said, I don't believe in the Jets. I don't like Zach Wilson. If I mean, again, it's your team. We like Zach Wilson, but that doesn't mean you guys have to like Zach Wilson. If you don't like Zach Wilson, then by all means, trade away Zach Wilson. So, um, if you're low on the Jets and you don't think Zach Wilson's going to be a great quarterback, then I think you got fine value for somebody who is lower on Zach Wilson. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention, we're also fine or we're also higher on Marquise Brown. We think that Marquise Brown is a legitimate top 24 overall wide receiver in Dynasty. You have a good quarterback core. You get arguably like him and Bateman are a toss up for your wide receiver two on your team uh, for your Dynasty league. I don't hate it, honestly. Like, especially you get the upside in case that 2023 second is high, and maybe you get, you know, a Sean Tucker or Zach Evans, etc., uh, for this team. I, I don't hate it. Again, I would personally want Zach Wilson because I believe in the player, but that's fine value. Yeah, exactly. So um let's get on to the final team of this video before we go a little too long here. We got Remington yep. Steel, 10 team, PPR, Superflex, tight end premium team on the screen there, Mahomes, Prescott, Mills. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, et cetera. DK Metcalf, Pittman, Mooney, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, TJ Hawkinson at tight end, three ones in 2023, two twos. And then looks like the rest of his picks with a couple extra mid-rounders in 2024. Um, decided to commit to a rebuild and tank for Bijan because of the way the startup draft went. Uh, the league seems very redraft-centric with how the high the veteran running backs went. Definitely good to know. Uh, the next obvious move for him is to move Elijah Mitchell, but he hasn't been able to get a ton of value for him. Best offer is like a 2023 20, second. What kind of value would you get? Uh, would you want to get for Elijah Mitchell in a trade? And also what other kind of moves would he uh, be looking to make? I would need to move Elijah Mitchell, at least, you know, a young wide receiver and that second. So a 2023 second straight up. I just genuinely think as soon as Elijah Mitchell shows himself to be that top 20 back that he was last year, you're going to inherently get more value than that. And realistically, like even if he gets off to a, a, re- a relatively slow start, but he still has the usage that he did last year, how low can his value fall? Like genuinely, I he's a good player. He's in a good situation, arguably a great situation. And if Trey Lance is uh, put into that offense, I mean, you risk you're realistically looking at one of the best efficient runners with the perfect scheme to accompany him. So. Elijah Mitchell's weird because his like we we don't necessarily know whether to value him as you know win now running back or rebuilding running back despite his age because of the fact that we don't know what San Francisco's plans at running back are. But I mean for a 2023 second, I, I think it's worth gambling on and kind of seeing what Elijah Mitchell and where Elijah Mitchell can go from here. So I would keep Elijah Mitchell. I would see how he does the first few weeks. And if he, you know, gets off to a top 10 running back in fantasy, he has four rushing touchdowns in the first three games his value is going to spike up tremendously because of that insulation in the San Francisco offense. Yeah, I mean, we were high on Elijah Mitchell as a prospect, and now we're kind of like lukewarm on him because you can get a first-round pick in some cases for him. But now with the addition of Tyrion Davis-Price in the draft, his value has kind of fallen to the second-round range, mid-second-round type of pick. I think I'd rather have Elijah Mitchell than a mid-second round pick. So especially if I'm in any kind of competing window, I do think that Elijah Mitchell is kind of like a discount version of J.K. Dobbins where he is in you know, a great rushing situation, great offense. He's the lead back in that offense, but there's going to be a committee type of approach with a rushing quarterback. So I really do like Elijah Mitchell potentially as a buy low candidate too. For for those of you guys that are uh, competing teams, you need some RB depth, RB3, RB4 on your roster. And all you have to send is like a mid second round or maybe a late second round pick for Elijah Mitchell. I, uh, I don't mind Elijah Mitchell, but if you're looking for good value, I would say that you should probably wait to sell him. I would say you should probably wait until the season is underway because I think people are going to remember pretty quickly that Elijah Mitchell is still the main running back on this team. While TDP might be involved, I think uh, I think Elijah Mitchell will still be the main guy. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you there. Um, and he also made a couple moves in recent days that we can quickly highlight here and then we can get out of here. He received Michael Pittman Jr., a 2023 first and a 2023 second. He sold T. Higgins and A.J. Dillon. So Pittman, that's, I mean... 
Yeah, I, I like it. You'd have to basically equate that as Pittman in a second for T. Higgins and A.J. Dillon for 2023 first. Is cool. basically how I would break that down. I'd I would rather, rather have a 2023 first than A.J. Dillon, but I would rather have Higgins than Pittman in a second. So I would say relatively a fair deal across the board. Relatively fair deal, but I do like your side, especially in the situation that you can get an extra first. You have three exactly. firsts to work with get here. T. Higgins production and, off your team. Yeah, and it's a 10-team league, so you got the inherent upside that worst-case scenario, that's a 10th overall pick and one of the most low classes we've seen in a while so yeah I, I like your side I think Pittman is a guy that I'm starting to rise on a good amount now given the fact that he commanded an elite target share last year given the fact that they haven't really brought in much target competition and flat out I just think he's fucking good at football yeah and you got a marginal quarterback upgrade with Matt Ryan this year who knows how to feed his number one dude as well so um, another move that I think is great to get that production off your team. Mark Andrews is going to, you know, put up points this year. And TJ Hawkinson is a young tight end. Still, you get a 2023 first on top of them and a 2024 second, which is probably yep. another underrated type of asset there. Great move. Um, and then also the final trade here, 2023 Easy. second and a 2024 yep. third for Clyde and a 2024 fourth. Yeah. Easily give me the, the, the two and the three for Clyde there. Yep. But uh, either way, if you guys have stuck around for about an hour now, a little longer than we anticipated, but you know, we got to get through these teams. We got to give you guys as much detail as possible on potential moves you can make. Leave a like down below, comment dynasty decisions. If you have made it thus far and subscribe to the channel, Corey kind of said it earlier in the video, but we are just so close to 11,000 right now. Let's get it done. And of course, again, we're talking about some players. If you guys want to draft players, if you guys want to make your best ball teams, if you want a potential chance at winning $2 million and $75,000 respectively, go on Underdog Fantasy right now using promo code FSC for 100% matchback up to $100 there. You guys can basically turn $25 into a chance to win $2 million and $5 into a chance to win $75,000. Why would you not take that? Again, you put $100 on, you have $200 on your account to potentially take that stab and make yourself a millionaire. Yeah, exactly. Underdog Fantasies, Best Ball Mania 3 going live right now. Um, probably, you know, 10, 20% filled. I don't even actually know at this, at this point in time. The puppy is filling fast. So if yes. you guys want a chance to get a lot of practice in for your redraft leagues, there's no in-season management. There's no, you know, trades, no waiver pickups. All you do is draft. Gives you the best possible chance to win your redraft leagues and also win some money on the side as well with no in-season management, like I said. So, yeah, Underdog Fantasy promo code FSE. Check out the Patreon for more Dynasty and rookie content. Peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.